Good morning. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm the pastor here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website, www.myesbc.net. Of course, if you would like to visit us on a Sunday morning, you'll see that we have life group classes or Sunday school classes that start at 9 a.m. And our service starts every Sunday at 1010 a.m. Come by and see us. God bless you. And I hope that you are motivated to look more like Jesus through today's podcast. Yet again, I say good morning to each and every one of you uh, who are are tuned in online. Thank you so much uh, for worshiping with us today. It's always fun to get uh, shout outs uh, right before uh, I come on to preach. And so I, I got a text message that the, uh, the Bell Forest Mafia ha- ha was tuned in. And so that's pretty awesome. David, Elizabeth, Carlos, Phyllis, uh, Katerina, uh, we are grateful uh, that your families have joined in uh, this morning. Again, if you want to, you can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 10 this morning. But before we do that, uh, I want to ask you some questions. What are some rules that you live by? What are some rules that you live by? I want you to think about that for, for a second. Think about some general rules that you never, ever break. Uh, maybe, maybe you eat tacos every Tuesday. Without fail, it's Taco Tuesday. Maybe that's a rule. Maybe you only put 93 octane into your gas tank without fail. It is a rule. Do you wash your boat? Every time you take your boat out, do you, take, do you bring it home and do you wash it without fail? Well, I have a, a rule that I generally live by. Uh, When I go jet skiing, I always remember to first remove my $150,000 earrings. That is one of the rules that I live by, Josh, and I hope that you do as well. Uh, It's just a rule of thumb that I have, but it's not a rule of thumb that Atlanta Falcons wide receiver and Baldwin County native Julio Jones, uh, he does not have that rule of thumb. He is a little bit more of a daredevil than me. Uh, And during a jet skiing excursion on Lake Lanier in northern Georgia a couple years ago, Julio Jones was out with his friends and they were jet skiing. And wouldn't you know, his $150,000 earring popped out of his ear and went all the way to the bottom, 65 feet all the way to the bottom of Lake Lanier. Well, Julio was obviously very distressed over losing a $150,000 earring that he hired a dive team. That's right, a professional dive team was called in. These are the same dive teams that come and look for all types of things in the bottom of lakes. And so this dive team came in and they searched and they searched for almost 72 hours straight. This dive team searched for Julio Jones' $150,000 earring only to be thwarted. They were unable to find the lost accessory. It did not work. They came up empty. Right now, right now at the bottom of Lake Lanier is a $150,000 earring. And if you find it by chance, if you find it, 
Julio Jones is going to want to talk to you, I promise you. Uh, So that's a, a bit of an extreme story, but have you ever lost something valuable? Have you ever lost something valuable? Maybe you've lost a a wedding ring. Uh, Maybe you've lost a a family heirloom. All of us have priceless artifacts that encompass our lives. And if they were to go missing, we would all be heartbroken over that. And yet we've probably been there before, losing something that's very important to us. Maybe you've lost something to only have it turn up in an unexpected place. Do you remember that feeling of finding that one thing that you lost. You were more than happy. You were exuberant. You were joyful. There's something that's just plain awesome about finding something that was once lost and now it is found. In Luke 15, we encounter three parables of Jesus, three narratives Each story is different, but they all have the exact same message. Some scholars call Luke 15 the the gospel within the gospel. The stories remind us that things get lost. Sheep get lost. Coins get lost. Sons get lost. They also remind us that if something is lost, that there's always someone searching When the sheep goes missing, the shepherd looks for it. When the coin goes missing, the woman lights a lamp and she begins to search for it. When the the prodigal son leaves, the father is always waiting expectantly for the son to eventually return. So as we examine the story of the lost coin, remember the roadmap of these lost parables. There is something forgotten, something found, and then there are the festivities. You always have something being forgotten. It's lost. It's, it's gone away. A treasure has been misplaced. But then that treasure is against, uh, it's restored, it's, it's found. And then there's always the celebration. There's always the party that comes with finding something that was lost. So this morning, before we read Luke chapter 15, I want to give you the background and context of today's message. And I'm going to to just come right out and say it. I I feel like I've been beating around the bush for, for several weeks, but I suppose that telling you the truth is really the best route available. The Pharisees hated common people. The Pharisees hated common people. They hated people that were not as religious, not as pious, not as connected to God as they were. They absolutely hated anybody that would stand in opposition to them, to their power, or to their teaching. And they especially hated Jesus. They especially hated Jesus. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the very beginning of Passion Week. And when we move from Sunday to Friday, you're going to see the temperature of the people change dramatically. You're going to see today that as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, people are adoring him. They are praising him. They're worshiping him. But yet, on Good Friday, they murder him. And they do that because of the Pharisees. The Pharisees deceived others because they hated Christ and they wanted him dead. And yet, in contrast to the Pharisees, we have Jesus. Jesus loved people. 
He, he loved all types of people, and he especially loves sinners. Now, that's good news for me and for you, because friends, we're all sinners. Every single person that's watching this broadcast right now, you are a sinner just like me. And the good news is, is that Jesus loves sinners. He loved drunkards. He ate with thieves. He touched the diseased and deformed and allowed the prostitutes to even work in his ministry. And he called abusers to be his disciples. The Pharisees, they loved the law. They were all about the rules. And Jesus loved liberating people from the, from the law, and he ran towards the wicked. The Pharisees were racists who hid behind all of their public piety and holiness. But Jesus, he loved the Samaritan woman and called the Gentiles to be a part of his church. Friends, there is no clearer contrast to these two groups, the Pharisees and Jesus, than what is captured in Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, again, is all about lost things being found. It's a, it's a picture of, of joy when lost people come to Christ and receive forgiveness. They receive transformation. There's joy at home and there's exceeding joy in heaven. When the sheep are found, the coin is discovered and literally the son comes back home. So this morning, I want us to read together about the lost coin. The lost coin is very much so connected to the lost sheep. You're going to see very similar points that we had last week. You're going to see very similar points this week. Many times, by the way, you'll have pastors that will preach on the lost sheep and the lost coin simultaneously. They'll preach them together. But yet for us this morning, I've chosen to separate those. So if you will, open your Bibles to Luke 15 verses 8 through 10, and we'll read along together. I'm reading this morning from the English Standard Version. Again, in verse 8 of Luke 15, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, that being the lost coin, she calls together her friends and her neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This morning, I want to give you three points from the parable. Three points from the parable. And the first one is this. We come across the woman's search. In verse 8, again, it's, we, we have described for us a woman. She has ten silver coins. She loses one. And she lights a lamp and begins to sweep. And she begins searching for this coin. Remember first that Jesus was just a, a few short months away from his eventual crucifixion. His death. He was moving from village to village and he was encountering poor people. He was encountering sick people. He was encountering destitute people all along the way. And the parable, the parable, excuse me, that Jesus was telling here are parables that immediately people would have resonated with. They would have understood them. They would have resonated with them. And Jesus said that this woman had ten silver coins and she lost one. 
A silver coin back, by the way, back in these days was worth about a day's, uh, about a day's wage. And you can imagine, chances are, this woman was given by her husband these 10 coins. Perhaps the husband was out traveling. Uh, maybe he was out trying to make a living for himself and for his family. So he places his wife in charge of the finances. And so he leaves her with 10 coins. That's, that's a pretty good bit of money for back in these days. And so the woman loses one coin. And perhaps she had him in a knapsack. Maybe the knapsack had a hole and it drops out of the house. She is confident that the coin is in the house, but she is unable to find it immediately. And you can see the desperation of the woman searching for the lost coin. Scripture says that she was diligent in the search. The, the Greek word, by the way, for diligent is epimelos. Epimelos. It means that she was searching feverishly. It means that she was searching carefully. Out of desperation, she was trying to find this lost coin. It means that she looked underneath the furniture. She sought out every corner in the house looking for this one missing coin. It means she tossed the cushions. She looked up under the bed. Now remember, she still had nine coins left, but it was this one coin that it was missing that really had captivated her attention. Can you see the similarity here with the lost sheep and the shepherd? Both the, the shepherd and the woman were captivated by the one thing that had escaped them. The one object that was missing. Friends, remember who, who the players are in this story. Remember that we are the lost coin. Stuart is the lost coin. Joanne is the lost coin. Jeremy is the lost coin. You sitting at home, you are the lost coin. But, but then we understand, too, that not only are we the lost coin, but God is the woman. Uh, God is the woman searching out for the one thing that is lost. We are like the lost sheep. We have gone astray. We have fallen out of the fold. We've chosen our own path. And isn't it comforting to know that the shepherd continually seeks out the sheep? Isn't it comforting to know that the woman goes at great lengths and puts herself out, so much so, just to find one lost coin? Both the woman and the shepherd, they never give up on the search. And friends, I will tell you this morning, we should never give up on people. It doesn't matter where they are in life. It doesn't matter how far they have gone away from God. We should never give up on people because God is always searching them out. If a person is still breathing lungs and if their brain is still firing with neurons, then they have a chance and they have an opportunity to be sought out by the king and to be saved by the Savior. Never give up on the search. Like the woman in the parable, God has used a light to find a lot of the lost things in the world, but, but he uses a very particular light. Just like the woman, she took out a light wanting to find the lost coin. Well, friends, Jesus is the light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus speaks to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will always have the light of life. 
Oh, friends, God sent his light into the world, and that light had a name, the name that is above all other names, and that name is, of course, Jesus. You've probably never heard of this woman before, but her name is Beliquis Seek. And she accepted Christ way back in 1966. And before that, she was married to a high-ranking uh, Pakistani government official. She was married into the Muslim religion. Before she was a believer, she was a prominent member of Muslim hierarchies and societies there in Pakistan. And before her conversion, her parents had died and sadly her husband had divorced her and left her with nothing. She became a recluse. She was all alone and she was disappointed. She poured herself into her religion. She poured herself into the Muslim faith and she began to read for herself the Quran. And one of the things that she noticed as she read the Quran was there was a name that kept popping up as she read the pages of that deceptive book. And the name that she began to read was the name of Jesus. And she felt like there was more to Jesus than what was being described in the Quran. And so she began to seek out other works that were discussing who Jesus is, who Jesus was. And eventually she came to the Bible and she began to read for herself the Bible. Well, Miss Sieg, she had a grandson that was living with her, and, and her grandson was the most important thing in her life, and he became very ill. He was admitted to a Catholic hospital there in Pakistan. And while she was at his bedside, there was a doctor who happened to be a believer working there in that hospital. And she was distraught, and this doctor noticed that she was very upset. And he said, have you ever prayed to God? And she said, oh, I've prayed to Allah before. And he said, well, ma'am, have you ever prayed to God your father? Which is something that is completely foreign for a Muslim to ever even think of, that God would be our father, that he would be close, that he would be so loving. And yet that's exactly what she did. She bowed her head. She began to pray to God her father, this doctor began to slowly lead Miss Seek to Christ. And finally, she accepted Jesus. Her life was totally transformed. The lost woman living in darkness had now been found because of the light of Christ. Seek wrote a book about her conversion titled, I Dared to Call Him Father. It sold more than a half a million copies around the world. She became a missionary and she led thousands of her Muslim brothers and sisters to faith in Christ. Belquis Seek was the lost sheep. She was the lost coin. And God diligently searched her out because he loved her. If God can find her, he can find me. And friends, if he can find me, then he can find anyone, anywhere, at any time. There is always hope for the lost sinner. Never give up. Brothers and sisters, who can you reach for Christ today? Perhaps you are the one needing to be found. And maybe you're the one with the, that needs to have the Bible in hand. Maybe you are the one to encourage someone to pray and, and talk to God as if they are his or her father. God wants to use you to, to be the light in someone's darkest hour. 
So again, three points from the parable. Roman numeral one, we have the woman's search. And then uh, Roman numeral two, we have the woman's success. She finds what she's looking for, verse nine. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. So the woman, she begins to search for the coin. She weeps and she looks. She lights a lamp and she looks some more. Finally, she begins to sweep and she's looking for the coin. And finally, eventually, success. She finds it. There's something so satisfying about finding something or someone that was once lost. Many of you may not know this, but my my mother was orphaned not long after she was born. Her father, my grandfather, died in a plane crash. And my grandmother, her mother, uh, pad, uh, uh, tragically passed away in, in a car accident not long after her father had died. And so really, just within a, a matter of, of months, my mom had lost both her father and her mother, never knowing either one of them. Never knowing either one of them. My mom never knew her parents and by the way, that has always been a source of severe pain for my mom. Only knowing my, my grandparents, her mom and dad, through pictures, not having any memories of them alive, has always been a real source of pain. And growing up, uh, when I was growing up, my mom had scattered pictures of her parents all over the house. And she told stories about them that were told to her by her family. Even though my mom never knew her mother or father, she always called her father daddy, which I always thought was really interesting. That she never met this man, and yet she referred to him with such affection. And I would say this, that pictures is all I ever knew of the man. And in my younger days, and in my younger days, when I had probably a little more hair and, and had lost a little bit more weight, my mom had always told me that I favored my grandfather, her father, uh, a lot. Not long ago, someone in our family sent us a link from YouTube, and the, the video was called Operation Titanic. And by the way, if you go to YouTube, you can actually look it up for yourselves the family member told us that mom's dad, my grandfather, was featured briefly in the video that was produced all the way back in 1944. If you were to fast forward 30 minutes, you'll see a man dancing with a woman. And he's handsome, he's graceful, he's smiling, he's looking directly at the camera. And that dancing, dashing man is my grandfather. A man I've never known and a man I've never even seen but through pictures and old stories. Yet there he is, dancing away. There he is. He's moving. He's smiling. And he's happy. My mom, who had never witnessed her father do anything but remained still in a photograph, erupted when she saw this video. She erupted in tears and in joy. He may have only been on the screen in regular time. He may have been only on the screen for four to five seconds, but it was enough to see her daddy happy. Something that she had lost had suddenly been found, a, a missing man. A glowing father had been rediscovered for that orphan girl. And it was really, really something special to see. My mom finding a part of her past that she didn't even know 
existed. I share this detail about my family because I believe that that's what, it, what it's like when, I believe that's what God feels when he finds us. When he searches us out, when he discovers us, and I believe that he takes an incredible amount of delight in finding a lost sinner and bringing us back into a relationship with him. You see, some try to work their way back to God. Others try to punish themselves, hoping that God will take them back because they feel bad. But then there's others. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anybody. You don't have to go anywhere. Just let God bring you back. Don't try to earn your way to God. God is already searching for you. Don't try to achieve some success. You'll never be more successful than God. God takes you right where you are and transform your life in ways that you could never dream of. Ezekiel 34, verse 11 and 12. Listen to what it says. From the prophet, for thus says the Lord God, behold, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among the sheep, they have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds of thick darkness. Now, of course, Ezekiel is talking about the Israelites, that God will one day search them out and bring them back into his fold. And even though that message is specifically to the Israelites, the principle behind the message is true for us today, that Jesus is wanting to seek out the sheep and that he is our shepherd and that he wants us to find the joy that's in him. And so the last point is this. We have the woman's search. We have the woman's success and now we have the woman's satisfaction, her joy. She throws a party. And when she is found it, in verse 9, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that is lost. In verse 10, just so I tell you, there is great joy in heaven before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, after the woman discovers the coin, she throws a party. She invites her friends and all of her neighbors to come over, and she tells them to rejoice. And notice that just like the lost sheep, there are two different celebrations. There is the celebration with her neighbors. There is a celebration at home here on earth, which we experience. And then there is a joy in heaven. Friends, do you know what this is right here? Do you know what this is, Josh? Y'all know what this is? Have you ever seen this before, Michael? Ever? You it? Yeah? It's, it's a blanket. For those of you, it is a blanket. And I guess you would call this a small bunny blanket. Now, I'm going to say this, much to his chagrin, but this small bunny blanket, it belongs to my oldest son, Jay. And, and by the way, no, he does not use it anymore. But when he was about three or four years old, this was the most important thing in Jay's life. Everything that was important circled around this bunny blanket. We couldn't go anywhere without this bunny blanket. It was the most important thing. Now, he tried to call it Bunny, but he never called it Bunny. He always called it Bunnet. And so this is Bunnet the Bunny Blanket. 
And Bunny went with Jay everywhere. It went to the car. It went to the house. It went to his bed. They were attached at the hip. And sadly, one day, one day, and this was a tragic day in the Davidson house, one day, Bunnett went missing. And we tore our house apart trying to find this silly little bunny blanket to no avail. We could not find it. And there was great tears. There was gnashing of teeth, I promise you. And about six months later, I was emptying out our basement. Our house in Montgomery had had a basement, and I grabbed this really old wheelbarrow, and I picked it up, and as I began to to spill out its contents, I noticed this blue rag popped out, and what do you know? It was Bunnett the Blanket. Bunnett the Blanket. And Jay somehow must have slid Bunnett in that wheelbarrow and then forgot about him. And when I came upstairs with this gross, dusty, dank rag, this bunny, when I came up with this, uh, with this blanket, there was a tremendous celebration that broke out. We danced and we sang. We called my mom and dad. We called our in-laws, Angela's mom and dad. We wanted people to know that Bunnett had been lost, but now, thank God, Bunnett had finally been found. You see, when we lose something and then find it, we want other people to share in our joy. Friends, that's why we raise hands and say amen when someone accepts Christ. This is why we clap at the end of baptisms. This is why we invite our families to church when we dedicate children. We love sharing our joy. There is no greater joy than when someone who is a sinner has been lost and now that sinner has been found. There is no greater joy than that. There's a celebration on earth. Then there's celebration in heaven. And Jesus concluded with the main point of this parable in verse 10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Over one sinner who repents. I don't want you to miss Jesus' careful statement here in verse 10. We tend to to think that it's the, the angels who are rejoicing, but actually Jesus is saying that there is joy before the angels of God. I, I don't want you to think that it's the angels that are throwing the party. No, no, no. The angels are rejoicing at the foot of God. It is God himself who rejoices with the angel over one sinner, a lost sinner becoming a believer, finding their way home. Isn't it interesting that the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin are symbols of repentance? But that's what Jesus says they are. The sheep is an, is an animate object whose bleeding might help the shepherd find him. But the coin is completely inanimate. And the entire burden of the rescue rests upon the woman finding it. The coin did nothing. Did nothing to be found. It was entirely the action. It was entirely the onus of the woman to find the coin. Again, in Ezekiel chapter 18 Verse 23, have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live. 
God, that, that's God's heart for all of us, for any of us, is that we would turn from our wicked ways, repent, and find life. I heard a, a story recently about a young man who took his first job at a, at a movie theater. And the story goes that a young man that he applies for this job as an usher in the theater and the manager asked him, what would you do in case a fire breaks out? And the young guy answered, don't worry about me. I'd get out fine. Well, friend, that's kind of how we respond sometimes. What would you do if Jesus came back tomorrow? Well, don't worry about me. I'd be with him. That, that's not the appropriate response. We're to be like ushers. Our task is to help people escape from coming judgment. It's our job as holy ushers to introduce people to the exit. This is your way out. And the door is, of course, named Jesus. Friends, this morning, I want to encourage you to point people to God's presence today. Don't wait. Point them to Christ even now. Would you bow your heads and pray with me at home? Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you that we are like the lost sheep. Thank you, Lord, that we are like the lost coin. And that, Lord, you are like the shepherd. You are like the woman, Lord, who tears it all apart, trying to find us, to bring us back into a relationship with you. Lord, to introduce us to mercy and grace. Father God, this morning I pray that if there is someone out there today who feels lost, who feels directionless, who feels like they need a guide, that they will cry out to you even now, that they would say, Jesus, I need you. Step into my life. Make me new. Make me whole. Lord God, we ask that you will continue to do great things in our lives, in our church, and in our country. Lord, today we pray so fervently, Lord, for our nation's leaders the doctors and the nurses, men and women that are on the front line of this illness. And they bravely go into work knowing that they could potentially pick up COVID-19, knowing that it separates them from their families. We ask God that you would comfort them. Lord, thank you that we've been able to gather today. Lord, we pray that today's worship is glorifying and honoring to you but, Father, may it be an encouragement, Lord. We need encouragement so desperately. Lord Jesus, we pray these things today in your name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast, and we hope to see you again on Sunday morning. Of course, you can also watch our services live on YouTube. Simply search Eastern Shore Baptist Church on YouTube and at 10.05, our broadcast starts. We hope to see you soon. God bless you. And again, visit our website, www.myesbc.net. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.